You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, The Running Public. Some people go their whole lives golfing, okay? I got a hole in one in a year and a half of golfing, okay? That's just to show my level of progression compared to your average homie okay so i take this seriously i feel um i feel like you know pga tours on the way don't you worry about it um i've heard a new speed golfing formats coming out for the pga um and and your boy's gonna be there first of all congratulations on your hole in one that's a big deal thank you so much however i also equate it to like someone saying i hit my first full court shot so i might make it in the league Like it's, it's it's phenomenal, and it takes more talent to hit a hole in one than a full court shot. But I'm going to lean. No, I, I agree with that absolutely. Like you can hit the perfect shot 30 times and still not make it in the cup mm-hmm. um, because you know you're playing on grass. There's breeze. There's like everything in the world that's going to throw that off. So um, yeah, yeah. That said, I've that's... never hold it ever, and I don't think Kirk has. Okay, well, mm, cool. inches. It wasn't a it wasn't a uh, a worm burner hole in one, where you just no. cut the grass all the way to the into the hole. Okay. Just a long just putt. making sure because I I saw one of those once and it was like, are you kidding me? They buzzed the grass, rolled, skipped, hopped, bam in the cup. Unbelievable. Good to hear. No pictures on the scorecard. I want to kick this off today. Very rarely do I come to the table with something to talk about. Okay. Just. I'm like Michael Scott. I start a sentence, and I oftentimes have no idea where it's going. But today, I have an idea. Last night at Cardine, Braden put it into the wall. He didn't wreck, but he hit hard enough that he felt it, and he hit his knee on a bolt in the cart. And afterwards, he came out limping, and he had tears in his eyes, and he kept it together till we got in the car. And then on the way home, I was like, so how bad was it? He's like, a 10 out of 10. Scale out of 10, that was a 10 pain. And kids obviously don't understand pain because all they can compare it to is what they felt prior. Mm-hmm. But it got me thinking, and I was talking with Lisa, and I want to ask you guys, what is the worst actual pain you've ever had in your life? I'm not talking race pain. Like, if have you had a 9 or a 10 out of 10 pain? What are your two or three worst pains you've ever felt? Hmm. I'm going through a number of them right now. Mine are super easy. They were right in my brain. It's the only things that ever what made me they? physically ill. Well, I'm going, I, we'll I want to wait for you guys. Well, we so, haven't had time to prepare. Okay, that's that's fair. VJ, you got one in the chamber. Well, I, I so I've had some good pains in my life, right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, physical, emotional, the whole deal. Um, a lot of those have been like scrapes uh, from crashing bicycles, mm. uh, because that's just what you do when you grow up racing bicycles. You crash them real hard. Um, so thinking about, you know, a big crash I had in Mammoth uh, where I slid for like 20 feet just on my elbows, Ugh. that was pretty bad. But that still doesn't amount to like, you know, smashing your knee on something or <laughs> kicking your shin against something where all you get is a bruise. Yet that singular pain, it it's debilitating. Mm-hmm. To where your brain shuts off and you're just stuck in like, am I going to be okay? Like, how do I walk this off? Where am I? What am I doing here? Yeah, I agree with that. But it lasts like 30 seconds, which is the right. nice part about it. That it's true. there and then it's gone. Very different than sliding down a mountain, I would imagine. 
single worst intense pain I ever felt in my life. I kind of like stood, jumped up out of the back of a truck bed and just hit my lower back on the metal cap, the topper of the truck. It was like banging your knee. It just hit my lower back hard. I don't know if it hit my spine or what. And a minute later, I was fine. But for like 45 seconds, I thought I might not be able to survive the pain. And I had no injury. Like whatever nerve cluster it hit was the worst pain. The kind of pain that if someone said you have to deal with this for an extended period of time, and people joke and say I'd choose death, I wouldn't have been able to live. I would have had to choose death. And then it was gone with no injury. Didn't break the skin. I burnt my tongue on a hot cup of soup <laughs> once. Are you mocking me? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Real rich. I, uh, mine would I be, I, uh, I, was on a, pain. <laughs> I was on a gravel bike path. Uh, I was injured in college on a mountain bike, and it was a flat gravel bike path. An old railroad bed they pulled up, and it was, you know how those go around mm-hmm. here. And I was doing a quality session on the bike, and a golden retriever darted out from the woods right in front of me, and I slammed on the brakes. Maybe going 20. I was working hard on a mountain bike. And I went over my handlebars like Superman. And my hands went into the gravel. And that's how, and my knees and everything. And I, and I remember like it was such a shock that you don't feel it at first. But then that one like lingered. And I had to pick the stones out of my hands and my elbows and my knees. I'm going to go with that one. I also hit my nuts, uh, <laughs> which seems secondary oh, to, at the time on the, well, on the handlebars. But. There's oh, mine. Oh, this is all. I thought you meant separate incident. Also, one time. No, same, same incident. This <laughs> <laughs> is so not a good day. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to have to call but. one back to my childhood, just like one that kind of sticks out to me is um, as I was getting out of my dad's truck, I put my hand on the truck for some reason and then kind of closed the door as I was looking away and I closed mm. my hand into oh. the door. So hard that it latched <laughs> with my fingers in the door frame. Fingers and hurt. It didn't really yeah. settle in at first. I was like, oh, that's strange. I looked back and I realized my hand was still in the door. So I had to consciously be like, okay, I have to open it. So I grabbed the handle and popped the door open and looked at my hand. And then three, four seconds went by and a lot of pain like sank in. So you know it's special when it takes a second for it to reach full capacity that's a that's a do you think the like if you were to choose some of these moments over like what you know let's say in like a a 3k spartan 3k or like a deca like what's actually worse like the long drawn out like like hand on the sandpaper for 30 minutes or would you take the finger in the door like you're at the start line of a high rocks or a deca would you be like, honestly, I'd just rather bang my shin against a barbell right now. Like, this is going to be terrible. What's worse when you weigh it all out? Well, there's no glory in banging your shin against a barbell. Can't there's win. a little bit in, in coming across the line That's and being true. like, I sold out and I'm on the podium or something versus being in the gym by yourself and banging your head against an implement and being like, I hate myself. And for me, I go from absolutely calm in the workout doing my thing focus to i want to like flip over a bus i would kick a fat kid right now i'm so mad um those yeah, are not uh, what, what two makes you phrases i've ever heard chained together in my life <laughs> what, what do you 
What are you mad about? Wait, what are you what are you mad about in this situation? So when I if I bump my head on something, incident? so if I bump my head, <laughs> if I'm in my kitchen oh, cooking and I bump my head on a cabinet, I I go from zero to full, the angriest I've ever been in my life, and I'm hmm. getting better about controlling that. But I used to like get so mad and I'd have to like walk away from everything so I wouldn't break anything. And I don't know what that is about like just bumping my head but if i smack my head on something and i'm just like totally calm i'm having a good day i it immediately all changes i'm seeing red um you know that's that, i don't know that, that it's probably, i'm similar uh, i get it well, I, I could probably go to therapy for that but i don't i don't think you should kick anybody no matter their build vj i just want to publicly state that but <laughs> I, I understand i feel the same way <laughs> i get irrationally angry at people around me when i get hurt like i want to lash out worst Injury feeling pain though I ever had like the scariest feeling was uh, my senior junior senior year summer league basketball. I don't know if you've ever seen a basketball summer league tournament. A lot of times they turn the courts sideways so they can cram more courts in and they bring out these portable metal, metal bleachers. Well, on a fast break, I tried to a chase down block from behind and the kid pump faked. So he was stationary and my leg clipped him on my way by. So now I'm kind of like Superman in the air rather than <laughs> vertical. And I landed right down. I couldn't get my feet underneath me. And I landed on the corner of the bleachers and I broke my rib and it knocked the wind out of me. And so for like a minute, it was excruciating pain, but for like 10 of those seconds i couldn't breathe and then that moment right there that was the scariest pain because i felt like did i did i puncture my heart like am i dead it, it was a really scary and then i was within a few minutes it was okay ish but then i had a broken rib all summer and the rib was probably one of the more painful things i ever did i i can relate to the the fear element of getting the wind knocked out of you yeah. Like it might not hurt as much say like i've never broken a rib but i've had the wind knocked out of me plenty of times and it's just like I I can't breathe. I'm experiencing pain. Uh, everything in my world just stopped, and now I have to like focus on staying alive. And then you make that. Uh, I I personally I get like a uh, trying to like breathe again. Um, so yeah, that's that's quite exciting. Now last last question on this topic. You know, like we're talking about injuries and stuff, but now let's get sport related. What is the most painful race experience that you've had? Rolled ankle like, and it's not close. I think I'm, a I don't mean like an injury. I mean like, is the have worst you pushed yourself? Have you pushed okay. yourself to the point of pain? I'm talking about like self-inflicted, not like, hmm. you know, I kicked a, a rock as I was running over and I stubbed my toe and that really was terrible. Gotcha. Mine's easy. It's Big Big Bear 2018. I accessed another point of my consciousness that I didn't know existed and then non-consciousness, I'm pretty sure, at a point in time there between oxygen deprivation uh, and whatever else. And uh, that would be for sure. I don't, I, you don't even need to describe it. You know what a big mountain race will do to you at altitude. And if you sell out and actually squeeze every bit out where you could not have timed it better, it would have been that. Uh, that's my. That's it for me. I don't think I can choose a long race because uh, you have to hmm. – maybe me, maybe us in general – but I don't know if we're good enough naturally at mountains to sell out long enough. Like we have to pick it's a spot fair. for it to get bad. Kirk, I think you've probably 
done the best at a big long mountain race in terms of like a world championship race vj you haven't done as many in your national series you always seem like you're pacing it or sick so i would have to choose <laughs> had a day at big v, vj had a big bear day if i recall a couple of years ago where i've yeah. never i've seen him in, and he was inside out after that one that that's, true. that, that's my that's my experience right there i sold out coming down right. the mountain Hmm. to get myself That's into the race too. and then there was still five yeah. minutes left in the race i was dry mm. heaving as i was like coming around after the rig and i was like okay we still have to do the bucket carry and cross the finish line so yeah uh, yeah that that i actually got to a point where i was like it was an all or nothing just keep pushing no matter how bad it hurts and i i actually had like kind of red vision as i was coming around at the end there um that, that makes sense. pretty special pretty special Mm. Closest to that New Jersey Super. Kent just posted about it the other day, I think. Maybe that was just in a group chat. But he and I uh, took second and third at a NBC event to Cody. That was the first time he and I had beat Atkins or Killian at a, at a mountain race. And we just had a race, and they were overload training towards Worlds like a month later. So we caught them at the right time. But I had a plan to sell out on the final carry. So I, like as close as you can sprint the last 10 15 steps up the carry to get past them and then just sold out down this carry to the bottom and just hammered out of sight. But this was back when they did undisclosed obstacles. And so I turned the corner and it was a log carry back right up the mountain. And that was like, (laughs) that was just pure. I'd emptied every, all the climbing and carrying and acceleration out of my body and then had to do a second carry right before the finish. And that was like probably the worst two or three minutes of my life. But other than that, probably any stadium race that came down to a, a finish I think is worse than any 5k I've run worse than any mile worse than anything else I think that probably a deca would be the same kind of pain like that 20 to 30 minute OCR when you have a race on your hands with like five minutes to go I don't think any other race has ever topped that misery to me the thing most says uh, 800 meters I just saw it on her Instagram she's, and she's a professional I think whatever your sweet spot is can't be the worst pain. No, I think whatever your sweet spot is is the worst pain because you can access it. Agreed. You have the ability to sharpen the knife as sharp as it gets in that one discipline and then cut yourself with it. That's a dark I just analogy, can't buy the you know what I'm saying? I probably, how many 800s do you think we've run in our life, Kirk, combined between the two of us? Hundreds? 200? Yeah. The worst possible ones are where you start tying up with... 400 to go. That's still only <laughs> 60 seconds. As bad in misery as that is, by the time you're hurting, you're kicking. So I can't really call. I think the worst races are where you have to sit in it before you have the end in sight. But that's personal. That's a personal preference. That's fear. Fear hurts. Acute pain versus pain extended sometimes. pain. Yeah. I think pre-race anxiety at times is more painful than the race itself. I agree with that. Should we uh, should we get something done here today, folks? Yeah, let's do that. I'm cool with this. I don't know. How long do we have you for, VJ? Um, the, the schedule that you sent me works. I have to go to work after this. That's why I'm in my golf attire. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that is – this is my work uniform today. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, we can chat about it. I don't think – um, you're going to get like a, a full episode worth. Well, what is this? Is this a training Tuesday or is this a, a, a Saturday, a long run episode? The weekend long run. This is a but weekend like long a run. It's like a medium long run, Vige. Okay. So this is like a deload week, a it's deload like a week. 70 to 90 minute, maybe a cut down component. Okay. Midweek cool. long run. Already there's people at home who've had a you really know, I was thinking. like, you guys are cute. 
Oh yeah, you banged your back. <laughs> I broke it. I was thinking though, you know, I had a one more tangent. Um, you and your golf attire kind of reminded me of this. Is um, you well, you made a, it was like your Instagram story or something yesterday, and you were like, people say you should post more on social media, and then you'll get more of an engagement and more of a following. And you're like, I'm doing that, and it's going down. It's doing the opposite of what people say it should. Like I'm posting more and getting less engagement, which I also have found to be true. Personally, I also think that anybody in our industry, in quotes, let's call it OCR, all idiots. Running, for example, has hundreds of millions of participants across the United States or whatever it is. And OCR has like 12. (laughs) Trying to build a following with something, like in your space, like you, you should be pumping the golf, man. There's hundreds of millions of golfers and there's 12 OCR athletes. I believe that's why I wanted to call this the running public because running should be the staple of everything we do and we can reach a broader audience. So my suggestion to you, and I'm not a social media expert, is to ditch the OCR, ditch the hybrid. You go all in on golf. Are they coming out with like a fitness bachelor you could hook your boy up with? What does that mean? Not that I know of and I don't watch that trash. Mm. You want to go on it? I mean, I would do what I, I can... needed to do to to reach Kirk level fame. <laughs> well, that's listen. Honestly, that's my per- the most important component. I would choose one every episode anything. to win, and then I would change my mind at the end of every episode. It's not uncommon. Well, anyways, that was just a thought I had when I looked at I looked at your your story and then saw you in your golf stuff. It's every, we're all just barking up the wrong tree here with this niche hybrid speed golf. Stuff. Is it? But the thing is, like, hybrid has running, okay? And that's a big community. Ninja is obstacles, and that's a big community. This also has that. You know, fitness from CrossFit or gym, that is also a huge audience. This should be able to pull from all these different places and kind of pull them all into one thing. And the reason that we fail is because all of the content sucks. And we're talking about news, (laughs) and we're doing all this stuff. Nobody's, like, creating anything entertaining around the space not and that's not like a dig it like you guys i think the podcast industry for us is the only thing we have going besides the podcasts mm-hmm. in this space there's nothing so that's my dream right like that's my focus this winter like i i got i got lights over here i got a few different cameras you know i'm trying to source some sponsors to like kind of get me out of my job so that i can start just filming with all I, I have like 20 world champions within two hours of me right here i want to get out and i want to start filming with them and i want to start building characters and personalities so that we can actually like get something entertaining in this space versus like oh watch the pixelated recap of the last race that we just had right like that's that's mm-hmm. pretty much all we have versus mm-hmm. anyone's personal social media and a lot of the athletes in the space um you know, they may be interesting, but they don't really sell that interest on social media because they're too busy, like climbing all the peaks and lifting all the weights. So yeah. I want to be that person that kind of comes in and is like, let me help you make this so that you can actually relate to people. And then we can build you a following and we can grow the sport because like CrossFit should obviously like hybrid ninja should obviously like OCR trail runners should like OCR, like runners should like both. I, there's just like, it makes sense. On paper, in my mind, too. OCR's done the impossible, and that they've taken four or five different popular industries and alienated all of them. Because we suck (laughs) at running compared to runners. (laughs) We suck at obstacles compared to Ninja Warriors. Hybrid sucks at lifting and Metcons compared to CrossFit. 
So all of them look at us with disdain when we post things. And then, like you said, our race coverage looks uninspiring and not impressive. And so they're watching a watered-down version of what they can do paired with the skill they can't do. You know what? You bring up a good point because what's the what's the least exciting event in track and field? Decathlon. Decathlon. Watching people do it less better than the pros, the true pros out there doing <laughs> things better. <laughs> and then doing a bunch of things not as good as the best people can. Right. So you I would make a good point. I would rather watch the thrower's relay than decathlon because at least they're at the far end of the spectrum doing something outrageous. Decathletes are just good enough to not look bad at it, but they're not good enough at any one thing to want to watch them do it over anyone else. That's fair. We are the decathlon of fitness. And, and BJ, I agree with you, by the Deca. way. Bit. Like, I agree Ash with Neaton, BJ with the uh, Ash Neaton captured the, the world for a little bit. Because he was, handsome. he was marketable, handsome, and going after world records. And a, a hunter can do that. I think VJ can do that. Oh, yeah. I don't think Rich is model enough to do it. Kent's not setting world <laughs> records yet. So like, you have to have an insane person to capture it in a weird sport. I think it starts not with the relatability. I think it starts with the aspiring to be like or a version of like and then you sink hold when they also find out you're relatable but the first thing is the inspiration doing things that are inspiring whether it's a performance or making yourself look badass in the video i think that comes first we can relate to people all around us right now that are very average at everything it takes the ability to perform first or at least make people aware that you're able and then be relatable but I agree with BJ about the media content. It's not good. They have nothing to watch. They bring people in. <laughs> BJ, if you can find a way to make what we do look impressive, then you can sell it. Um, I'm gonna do it. That's what I'm I saying. Like if you can do yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Like I'm gonna. Like they just have to watch me do it, and they'll be like, <laughs> "Wow, gotcha. holy crap!" Wait till Dallas, dude. They're gonna be like, "BJ, how are you moving that sled? You look the same." You look like you did when you were 17 and you're moving the sled. That's so impressive. Look at you. Um, so, yeah. And I feel like that's a great segue into why I'm here. You're here today, and I don't know what your answer is going to be to any of these things, but we have talked many times on here that when in doubt, should I lift or shouldn't I lift as a runner, you should be lifting. And most recently, we talked that as you age, you can work on your systems, your structure, and your headspace. And your systems are only going to progress the way a normal human system can. And your structure is only going to get worse the way a normal human structure does. But you can stop the degradation of your structure by lifting. And you're taking it earlier in life before the degradation in theory has started. And mm. you're doing it for performance. You have gone from doing what I would consider from the outside perspective, the minimal amount of lifting to get some benefit and not impact your running to now doing the maximal amount of lifting to, in theory, get your performance benefit and not impact your running. And I want to hear what it's like to go from runner who does some strength to pumping actual iron and what's it doing to your running. And if it's bad, then that's okay. Like we can go that route. But people need, I think, want to hear an actual person who has gone from one to the other because we all know what your running was. Now what's happening? Was. They're like, BJ, we saw you sucking in Orlando, and we want to talk about why you're so slow now. Um, you lift it, you started lifting some weights, and now you suck at running. So come on. We'll talk about it. Nobody thought well, that's that. That's the fear. 
is that I'm going to gain a little weight and get slower. No. So I actually, like, I've had a good build this year and I felt really good going into Orlando. Like I'm hitting numbers in my workouts right now, not lifting numbers, running numbers that are really good. Um, you know, touching back to what we were doing last year before I got sick. Um, and I feel really positive about it. I felt good going into this race and I honestly feel like my shoe choice affected more than just my sled push. I've never had to like strain to run the paces that I was running in DecaFit. Like I st by station four, I was like, I don't know why I'm working so hard, but it is just not working. And every step I would take, I would like slip out. So what I ended up doing was like almost overstriding so that I would have to take less steps. Like if you watched me, I was like twisting all over the place, just trying to throw my legs forward. Um, so that I wouldn't take as many steps and slip as much. And every corner I was like, dude, this is like, I had to swing wide. Like I felt like I was going to fall down. Um, so fitness wise, like, I don't think my running was that like, it was in a bad place at all. I feel really good about my running and I feel like it's progressing in a really good place right now. I'm lower volume than I've been in the past because I'm spending so much time on machines now. Um, but from a running standpoint, I'm thinking that I'm going to be as good as I was. Maybe not in the mountains because I'm not spending as much time climbing and working on my power hiking efficiency and stuff. But from an engine standpoint, in that six, like 30 to 60 minute range, I think I'm going to be just as good as I was, if not better, because I'm going to dial in on efficiency in that state when I wasn't really focusing on it before. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if that's your end point, you think you're going to be as good as you ever were, if not better. And I want take where you started. What I want to hear, what I, what I want to set the table with is what was the beginning like of adding weightlifting in and what happened to your running in parallel with your journey? You, it seems like you, you're going to come back full circle too. I can run as well as I ever ran and now I'm putting out way bigger numbers. My body's different. But what was the day one to day 30 to day 90? I want that, that's what I want to start with. And then I think we can get to the piece that you're starting to hone in on. So I kind of did this at a different time. I didn't have this amazing running game. And then I'm like, okay, I need to start trying to, to bulk up in my strength and maintain the run. My run got as bad as it had ever been. I had six months of like nonstop health issues, getting sick almost every week and you know, gut health issues, like my running was not in a good place and I knew I needed to take some time off. So, um, after Spartan worlds last year, you know, the, the mess that that was, I took a month off. I didn't run and I wanted to work on, you know, getting stronger. I was considering going into the high rocks thing. So I started hitting December. the weights. You took December, December off. Yeah. Okay. So after Spartan worlds, Spartan worlds, like beginning of December, like the fourth so, or something. Yeah. So after that came home, no running just started lifting weights. Um, it was at least three weeks. It was probably uh, like closer to four. Um, and I wasn't doing like big lifting numbers, like trying to build power. I was doing like bodybuilding, right? You know, my four sets of 12 typical stuff, just trying to like get beefy. I just wanted to look good because that's pretty much all I had. Plus my roommate at the time was a bodybuilder and I'm like, I can't have this guy just like outshining me like crazy. I gotta, I gotta hold up my end here. So did that, uh, put on a little muscle and it, and it kind of went quick. I started taking creatine for the first time in my life and your boy was looking pretty good, like put on weight rather quickly, uh, without running. So that was nice. Um, 
got pretty strong. And then I started looking around, like if I'm going to get into this hybrid thing, I want someone that has a little experience to kind of push me. Cause I, I understand how it works and what it takes, but I also want someone's experience to kind of push me in the right direction. So I could train myself or I could talk to somebody. So, um, obviously you go to the best in the world and you, you hit up Hunter and you're like, Hey, I want to train for high rocks. What does this take? And then he's like, yeah, dude, we'll do this. We'll do this. It'll be great. And I'm like, awesome. And then you don't hear out of him for like two months. Um, so then you're like, I don't think that's going to work for me. So then you hit up a local boy, rich Ryan. And then, um, as I've gotten to know rich, I think that was like the perfect decision for me because he likes data and he'll experiment and he likes to take, um, different race performances and different workouts and try to figure out like what the ideal formula is to figure everything out. And I, I appreciate that. I relate to that really well. Um, I know that like I respond to aerobic volume a lot more than like big intensity sessions. I don't need big intensity sessions. Intensity is almost like maintenance of that skill when just general fitness building is all I really need to get to like a really good place. So we kind of aligned on that. He started coaching me this year. Can I pause for a second? Yes. When you, I do, I do want to hear just slightly more about that, even though that's not the point of today. That piques my interest. When you talk about aerobic volume, really moves the needle for you to run really well. Where would you say, like in the spectrum of intensity, where does that lie for you? How high up can you get in like zone one, two, three, four, five before you say, I don't need the higher than this? Like, are we talking aerobic I, threshold or just literally easy aerobic work? I'm saying like like zone two, low intensity. Mm-hmm. doing a lot of that work and then sustained threshold intervals. I've never gone like zone two, three, four, five. I think that's too many zones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually go more on like an aerobic zone and then um, kind of like that threshold. Right. So I just, I just go basically like aerobic, I guess it would be aerobic threshold and then like a lactate threshold okay. of sorts. Um, so I could do say like the workouts that were doing really great for me in years past, um, getting ready in the mountain races and Spartan race, we're looking at like lots of easy runs throughout the week. And then one to two intensity sessions that were worked into a long run. So a 90 minute session and a four by five minute with minute rest or something in between at a sustainable pace, like an hour race pace, touching on that, getting the efficiency, like very sustainable efforts. Like I'm not having to like turn myself inside out at any point. I'm staying controlled and, and, and at altitude, that's pretty much all you can do anyway. Cause once you cross the line at altitude, like your workouts pretty much over. Okay. Um, so everything was very controlled, uh, a lot of like, uh, controlled threshold work and aerobic jogging works really well for me. And then I can just do a little like touch on speed here and there for efficiency. And that just, um, it seems to be enough because we're not actually running that fast in OCR or in uh, this like Decafit Hyrox thing um, to really need to, I don't need to be running at 430 pace ever. Like that's not really necessary. I mean, it's helpful for sure to like touch that and, and for muscle recruitment and, and the top end, but realistically, like I'm never having to sit there. So it, it I don't really need that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. For sure. So back to working with Rich. I needed someone that could like integrate strength into my plan because I had always had, uh, like I worked with Megan Roche for a a couple of years in Colorado and it was fantastic for building the running game. And I would just stack a little bit of strength on top of it on like intensity days or whatever. 
to maintain the strength I needed for OCR. Um, but with the compromised running aspect, like OCR is not compromised running to me. I never, I didn't get compromised by obstacles. So it was just running, right? Um, this Decafit thing actually like got me to the point where it's spiking my heart rate and I need to maintain and come back. So I needed to work on that compromise aspect. And then I wanted strength integrated into the program, not just layered on top of a running program. So Rich actually got me like on some strength building cycles. Um, we actually put on a lot of strength really quickly, which was really cool to see. I'd never focused on that. Um, like when I first came out, I think I did like a 225 or a 215 squat for like four or five, something like that. Um, that was like our first strength test. And then I got, um, to where, where I ended up doing like 225 or 235, like over 20 times. Um, and that was within like a, a month and a half to two month little session there. So strength went up and maximum numbers were going up and, and muscular endurance, uh, was kind of coming along. It was really cool having that be a part of the workout. Um, I didn't actually start focusing on like any machine work until the last four weeks or so. I didn't do any machines beside like the occasional air bike workout, but it was mostly just strength building. Um, and then also building back my running at the same time, because I started running, um, in January again, kind of really slow build, just see what my body could handle. My like immune system was finally back to a place where I could sustain some volume. So, you know, le leaned into it a little bit, started getting back to a, a good place. So the running and the strength kind of built at the same time. It wasn't that I already had the running game and then had to add the strength in. It was like both things were coming along simultaneously from a place of, I don't have anything right now. Long answer. It'd be nice if we had, um, that was a good answer. It'd be nice if we had, I think like the, the easy and clear thing would be like, oh, I was a 16 minute 5 k -er and I was running really well and then I started strength training and now this is my 5k time. And this is my strength numbers. Like we don't really have that because you're coming out of like a deficit, so to speak, Would, um, which just makes it a little more blurry, right? Like we can't say objectively what it did to your running because your running's clearly gotten better because you've been able to train it again, right? Is that what mm -hmm. I'm understanding? So you've sure. grown both at the same, both at the same time. Um, what I actually am curious about comparatively, just for perspective, and you don't need to get super detailed, but... Um, like the, let's say Spartan VJ versus the Deca or hybrid VJ, like a general, like a, you can give us the thousand foot view, like what a week looked like for VJ before. And then what a week looks like for VJ now. And again, you don't have to get very specific, even if you just say like an hour of strength or something, that's fine. But just so people have a comparative. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So a typical running week, seven day schedule, one day off. Um, so six days of running, it might've only been five days of running a lot of day, a lot of weeks. So five days of running with a bike day and then mm -hmm. two strength sessions a week. One being like really short, say squats. No, it would be split squats, weighted pull-ups, and then, um, like a weighted March or something like that. Or, a, a is it Zerker or Zercher? Do you guys know? Zerk, like a Zerker I've lunge, and Zercher I've, lunge. I've, I, I, I've heard both. I, I say, say Zerker. The last lifter I talked to said Zerker. Because it sounds like Berserker. It sounds cool. Yeah. Zerker. So I say Zercher because I didn't like them. All right. Fair enough. Zercher lunges. I'll do some Zercher lunges. Um, 
And that was it. Be like, we oh, should explain yeah, heavy. That. that is a front rack, low rack. So like in you're the elbows. holding in your elbows at almost waist level while lunging. Super uncomfortable, really dumb, but really effective. And it makes you feel like like a strong man. It's the closest thing to like not a traditional lifting thing to where you're like, Ooh, I'm just hang, hanging on to this heavy weight in front of me. Um, so yeah, I'll do, uh, like three movements, heavy, like three by five type deal. And that was it. What do you That'd spend one day. like 30 minutes, 30, 45 minutes? Not even, not even like okay. 20. All right. And that was like after a speed session or something. And then one day would be like my second strength day of the week would be something more like a circuit, a little more high intensity. I never mixed running and lifting or anything like that. Like I never did compromise running that just, uh, I, I never focused on it. So that would but be you did like a lot a of like aerobic work at Black Forest where you'd go do an aerobic run and hop on things during that's but never, true not often at intensity correct yeah I would do like a uh, like a sixty minute run where the first thirty was just running and then the back thirty was uh, like running around on the obstacle course and I suppose like leading into a race I would do a couple intervals on the course like feeling what that was like but I never touched on that in like actual fitness building anywhere. It'd be like, okay, we're two weeks out from a race. Let me do one, maybe two sessions on the obstacle course. And that was it. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of what a week looked like. They're typical, like mostly trail running. Um, those intensity sessions that I was talking about, like two mixed into a longer run. Um, pretty, pretty simple, straightforward stuff there. Now things have changed. We're not on a seven day schedule anymore. We're on that nine day cycle. There's a lot of hype around the nine day cycle. And the nine day was a little less about like actually having a different goal and more just keeping me mentally engaged to where I don't know what's happening the next day. I just look at the, like when I'm going to bed, I look at what my workout is tomorrow. And that's when I set my plan rather than I always have threshold on Wednesdays. I'm an easy run on this day. I'm a long run on this day. I like that every day is different as far as the day that it's actually happening on. So that was just better for me from a consistency standpoint to not have a routine to more just be like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So that's so funny how days, that works. Cause yeah. some people just can't take that. They need to know it's happening Tuesday, Thursday. And then other people try it out and it just, for that stage of life, it just works. It's freeing. Like routine for me, I know routine is good and healthy and everything, but I, I think a lack of routine is actually like really good for me to a certain degree. Like I like working out at the same time every day and having that part of my schedule. Like I get up and then I do my, my training. And if it's an intensity session, I'll do you a little food. If it's aerobic, I don't eat anything. Like those kind of routines are just kind of built in. Um, but I don't know. I can get bored with things really easily, especially lately because I'm still kind of in an OCR training ish thing. I'm not fully, I mean, I am fully dedicated to high rocks right now. Like pretty much all the training I've been doing is like a high rocks base building block. But, um, I just kind of got really bored with OCR and not inspired to train for it. So I've been kind of reprogramming to focusing on like high rocks and things. So that's actually kind of inspiring to me right now. Um, so the nine day cycle was just like, this is what we're doing this day. And I don't look at the rest of the schedule. I just like, I just check the night before I know what the workout is. And then that's when I get after it. So I'm running a lot less. I'm doing aerobic sessions. Um, I don't even know how many times I'm doing them. 
quite frankly, but I am in the gym a lot more. I'm having, I think through each nine day cycle, I'm having like two dedicated strength sessions that aren't, uh, they don't have any Metcons or anything with it. And that's paired with a run or a bike or something. And then I have a couple hybrid sessions, which I did one yesterday with Jack, Jack Bauer, shout out race brain. Um, he was, he was with me for, we did 800 meter runs, 50 meter, I think it was 25 meter sled push, 25 meter sled pull, and then like some burpee broad jumps or something. And, and we repeated that for like 30 minutes, um, and then moved in some assault bike intervals. So I'm doing like running and sled push or running in machines. Like I'm doing a lot of compromised running work that I haven't done before, which is like even more strength training now integrated into actual running workouts as well. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, so dedicated strength days and then strength and running days. And then I have a hybrid aerobic day as well, which is um, kind of changes. It might be like, you know, a 75 cal on a machine, a 1600 meter run, and then, you know, like heavy farmer's carrier sled push. And you just repeat that for 80 minutes or something. I did a hybrid aerobic day today. And what did that look like for you? It was 100 feet of vert on the treadmill. And then 10 walking lunges, 10 monster walk, 220, 330, 440, 550. Can you tell me what a monster walk is? It's, like, it's where people put a band around their legs, they squat down, and then they move laterally. Okay. So I did that, but instead of a band, I did farmer's carry, kettlebells, or uh, sandbag on my back. But That's it's an cool. interesting style workout where your heart rate doesn't do much, but your breathing does sometimes and what's, you're fine at the end of the day. What's funny to me there is I would expect that to be called a crab walk because you're like walking to the side, but instead a crab walk is like when you're on your hands and feet walking upside down, which doesn't make <laughs> any sense. See, Can't and I use that. the word monster walk. If I'm holding a squat stance, getting a low low like a 90 degree squat position or an athletic position and then walk forward keeping the bands spread and i think that's, that's how a walk. monster would walk whatever monsters uh, walk the same way that sounds a lot bracken i'm sure you would agree but man that sounds so eerily similar to my programming um for my hybrid athletes like the the general layout the one question i have uh is uh solo quality solo uh run work as part of like a build and then if you've noticed any difference there, like if it's still, if you feel like you're getting similar benefits from mixed modality quality sessions or compromised quality sessions, or if you still uh, believe the power of the standalone, you know, quality long run or session. So I, I like the quality, like the, the quality run session. It's nice to do that. Um, so those are still in there. Um, I'm going to start leaning into those, uh, coming through like the winter. Cause I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm going to do high rocks, Dallas, and I'm going to do high rocks, LA. I don't expect to suddenly come out of the gates, like never having done high rocks and just be like, wow, I landed in the elite 15. I'm going to worlds. Like <laughs> that's just probably not going to happen. Right. Like I'm going to go to Dallas and it's going to really suck. And, and then I got to reassess and, and figure that out and come back to LA mm -hmm. and run a better race. So my high rocks plan is really get your feet wet, know what you're getting into and kind of assess what the weaknesses are, what the strengths are and, and build a solid plan. Cause right now it's pretty general. It's like, let's get you ready for the sleds. Let's get you dialed in for the pull. Let's start spending some time on some machines. Let's work on the skill sets as a 
hole versus like, we know you're really good at the sled push. Let's work on those lunges. Right. So I don't, I don't have a plan. So my mm-hmm. goal this winter is to figure out what the plan is for next season, mm-hmm. for the next season. Um, I mean, you never know your boy could come out and run a 56 and then just, you know, uh, cruise his way to worlds. I don't think that's going to happen, but I wouldn't turn it down if the opportunity arose. Um, and my, like, I'm kind of trying to set some more of my own goals for next year as well. Like I want to, uh, I want to PR my 5k. I haven't actually, uh, ran a standalone 5k in a while. Like I did one a couple of years ago. I did the Carlsbad, um, 5,000, which was not a great showing for me. Um, but it was all right. Ran 16 low. Uh, I'd like to get, I'd like to get in that low 15 range. You know, I see, I see Kirk out here just ripping fast 5k's all over the place. And, um, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. So makes two of us. Um, I want to, I want to do some of that work next year. So I'm expecting like spring and summer next year. I want to put in a good running block while maintaining the strength, but actually get to a place where I consider myself a good runner. I don't think I've been a good runner in years. I've been a strong runner to where I can handle a lot of different things, Mm -hmm. but I haven't been to a place where I'm like, I am actually good at running. Cause if you put me on the start line of any running race, like I'm not going to win it or I'm not going to be competitive, but I'm good enough. If you throw like some speed bumps along the way that I can handle all of that and just keep on rolling. So I want to become a good runner. And right now it's like, I'm really focusing on the strength and the machine aspect because you know, Deca worlds is coming up. Um, and I feel like my running is going to be in a good enough place to where I'll still be able to capitalize well there. But, but yeah, like long-term plan right now, just looking like, you know, six, nine months away, I want to get to a really good running place. Um, like, you know, rich, likes he has that kind of title, like the fastest runner in hybrid right now, like standalone. If you just put everyone on a track and had him mm-hmm. run, he's going to be that guy. Uh, I, I don't want him to be that guy. I want to be that guy. So because uh, if I get that running speed in me, dude, I'm going to smash him. Um, and I, and you and know, he's gonna I think fire you as his athlete. So we were rules. talking about that. We're, we're going to go to Deca worlds and I'm going to be like, why do I have a tempo session on, on Thursday before the Friday race? It's really strange. <laughs> um, I like it. Yeah. But no, he, he's like, he's much better than I am. Like I know that the reason I don't do solo programming for athletes is because I can't really separate myself from, from what other people are doing and whatever I'm focusing on is going to spill over into my athletes. And I just don't have that headspace. Um, and I'm not like, selfish enough to get people to sign on with me when I know I couldn't give them like the correct coaching mindset when rich, like he fits into that so well, when we were doing repeats in Dubai, he would finish his interval and then come back and check on Jack and I and be like, how'd that feel? Was that good? Like, like we're all right. So we're going to hit this rest. And he would immediately, he was like always in that coaching mindset while still focusing on himself. So I respect people that can do that. Like I'm sure you guys are, successful in that that side of things i know that i i don't fit into that category so um, i screw up anyone's programming who's ever ever gonna do something that i'm also doing uh well you have to yeah yeah i sabotage from the start one thing i've noticed that everyone who goes into high rocks everyone no matter how they train for it they all come to the end of a high rocks build or part way through and they all say something along the same lines which is i don't think i'm a fast runner right now but i feel like i can just run i'm not I wouldn't want to run a mile or a 5k, but I feel like I could run a good half or a 10 mile, or I think I could run a good super or a beast right now. Like I'm not 
flashy, but my running feels hard to break right now. Are you starting to get that feeling yet? Yeah, like I went, so say Orlando, right? I ran 30-30, not great, not what I was hoping for. Pretty much everything sucked about it. Um, I went back and ran about the same time later that afternoon with new shoes. Um, and I feel like I could have probably kept going at the end of that race. Uh, I just didn't have like that sharp edge, mm -hmm. which I will look to develop when we get to, uh, you know, closer to worlds. Um, but yeah, my running is pretty strong. Like I have a decent workout coming up. I got a four by two K on Sunday. I looked mm -hmm. at the schedule just to make sure I knew what I was talking about here. Um, so mm -hmm. like, that side is pretty good. Like I can just kind of settle into that. I think that my fitness right now is better high rocks fitness than Deca fitness currently. So I'd say high rocks is more of like a sustained grindy kind of thing, mm -hmm. which is more like engine reliant versus Deca. You need to be sharp. You need to, you need to be able to turn over and you have to be good at these skill sets and those transitions and everything versus high rocks, more of like a kind of, you know, hit your head against the wall and then just keep it there for a while. Endure, um, but never tip. DECA is right. spike and kind of tip constantly. Exactly. So uh, I'm feeling really good about high rocks in that build. And I, I want to be a good runner when I go into my next high rock season. Like this first high rock season is, is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice to the fitness gods just to, to, to understand what's going mm -hmm. in. Like I remember my first pro OCR season in 2017, like I got hammered all over the place uh, at every you race. A good year. It wasn't but bad. I got year. I got seventh at, in Seattle, which I thought was good. I untied my shoes came untied, and Bracken told me not to make loops and just just tie knots and go. And I was like, oh, that's very nice of him. You um, did well in San Jose, I thought, or not Monterey. Monterey, I got sixth, and then I think yeah, I got sixth I again somewhere else. I don't know. Anyway, like. I had to get familiar with it. So I'm looking at high rocks as that. And it's kind of hard for me to take that stance because I've always like, I've gotten to the point where I get good at what I want to get good at. Mm -hmm. And I know that with high rocks, I will do that as well. But this one, I need to, I need to kind of get familiar first because yeah. it's a whole new realm from anything that I've done the last 10 years. I think high rocks is the most confounding event to train for. Or program for even though it's so black and white it's almost like raising a child and reading a parenting book you get there and realize well my kid's not like yours you could train the same way hunter trains you get there and it doesn't work or you could train like dylan scott trains you get there and it just doesn't work or you could train like them and find out this works really well for me but you it's one of the only race types that i think you have to feel once before you even have a semblance of clarity about how you're going to move forward the first one like you said it's a sacrifice you just go out. It might work well, but I kind of expect to blow up. And I'm going out with the mentality that I am going to blow up. I'm going mm -hmm. 59, 59 or bust. Oh yeah. Like that's yeah. Like <laughs> no one in the U S has has like debuted with a sub 60. And I'm like, I'm either going to do it or I'm going to run like 66. Well, you and better that's hop okay. on a flight to Spain quick then because you don't want to do that in the U S. Well, that doesn't count. That's right. Right. No one's debuted in the U S someone in Europe did it. I don't count that. It's whatever. Um, you know, I'm one of Rich's athletes, so I got to back him. You know, all those courses are, they're soft. They're greasing the bottom of those sleds. It's all kit. It's, it, you know, it is what it is, but I want to come out to Dallas and I'm going to run like, yeah, I'm going to run like hour flat or like 59, 59 pace. 
and I'm just going to see what happens because I don't want to come out and just like kind of cruise it and be like, okay, well I, you know, I did it and I stayed smooth. Like I want to run mm-hmm. in a competitive sense to what it takes to actually be competitive and then see what happens at that level. So that's, that's my goal for, for that event. There was a quote by Jakob Ingebrigtsen this past week about his world records. And he said he wants to set every single one eventually from 1500 meter up, not concurrently, but he, he says, my, my, my view on things is if someone can do it, I can do it too, but better. That's just what keeps me driven and motivated. And I feel like you have a little bit of that where you look at it at any sort of race and think, I can probably do that, but better than them. So what are you doing for high rocks? Because you know what the game is coming in. You're coming yeah. in with a higher OCR credential than anyone who's tried it and a lower gym and strength credential than most of the current top 10 guys. I, I, I've talked with Rich. You're approaching numbers that are now high rocks respectable, not just acceptable, but respectable. But like you know what the score is coming in. What are you doing differently other than just believing you're going to be better that's going to make sure that or give you a chance to debut the way other people couldn't debut? One thing I've noticed is of people of my size, I'm stronger than them. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I don't know what that is. It's your butt. But I've always (laughs) probably that. Even when you were super lean, super skinny, you just had a hip girdle that normal runners don't. Maybe it's genetic. I don't. I don't know. I don't have anyone to really base that off of. Um, But maybe that. Maybe that's true. And. I feel like I don't have to put on a ton of weight. I haven't put on a ton of weight, but my numbers have gone up a ton. My capacity on machines has gone up a bunch, and I haven't really spent that much time on machines. Just by doing a lot of this other work, I've dropped like 10 seconds off of my ski erg and 10 seconds off of my row pace at DECA mm-hmm. without spending any time on the ski in the row. I've only started actually doing that since I got this new CrossFit gym membership. Um So like, I feel like I'm adapting to this well, and I want to be the best runner in the field. That's my goal. Like when I, when I get to the competitive higher level of high rocks, I want to outrun everyone because I know that I can. And I've found that like, I'm going to get to a point where just like an OCR where the obstacles don't phase me anymore. I want to get to that point with the stations. I don't want to have to be like, okay, now I have to recover on this run from the station. I want a smooth effort through the entire thing where I'm just as fast as anyone on the stations while maintaining the same effort as when I'm on the runs. That's the ultimate goal there. And I feel like I can actually do that. I don't know, like I would recover on obstacles, you know, in Spartan Mm -hmm. race. So then again, they weren't that hard, but a lot of people couldn't do that. So I'm kind of coming in with the same mentality to where I want to be the best on on both ends, you know, I probably won't be necessarily the best sled push or the best sled pull because there's just guys that are heavier. Um, the one thing in high rocks that really worries me is actually the ski erg because being a heavier upper body human just helps on the ski erg. Cause if mm-hmm. you just let your body fall down, like you're going to have, you know, an extra 10 pounds in your upper body that I'm just not going to have and not something that I don't necessarily want. Um, so yeah, yeah. Like the ski erg is the only thing that's like intimidating up? to me. Everything else I feel like I can handle. When I started working on wall balls, my wall balls improved like really, really quickly. Almost everything that I start focusing on, like I make huge bounds like right away. So I'm, I'm really excited like 
with what this build has done and, and like how my capacity has gone up in all these different movements. And I'm just kind of like dipping into it. Why, um, why the desire to be the fastest runner in the field? And I ask this because you never have been, you've been one of them, but the fastest runner in the field, you smoke, you smoked in the past, right? Let's say Mark Botches is the fastest runner in the field or Nick mask, maybe in slow had the best 5k in the field, but you know, it's not about that right now. I'd probably run circles around you on the track, but I guarantee you'd smoke me probably on course. Right. So I'm curious about the, the interest there because history shows us generally the fastest runner isn't the one who wins, right? Look at Ryan Atkins who finds a way on a sprint course. Like how does this even compute? (laughs) Right. Just curious about your mindset there, right. About being the fastest runner. Is it because you know, like if you are, then everything else is going to be bulletproof along the way, or do you have a soft spot for pure running still? Well, I, I kind of feel like I've neglected actually being a good runner in the last few years of my career. Like I've gotten to the point where I've dialed Mm -hmm. in on pretty much everything else. Um, and my running is the only thing I can really improve. And I haven't made huge improvements there. I made improvements Mm. as to what I can handle, but not necessarily moving faster. It's like, okay, now I can run like that 10 K pace for longer. You know, it's only a little slower to get to that, um, you know, that beast pace and and be able to hold that for longer. I've gotten stronger. I've gotten, gotten more like long-term endurance, but I haven't like, I'm slow compared to a lot of decent runners. And when I say I want to be the best runner in the field, I'm not saying I want to be the fastest workout guy. Like I've never been that guy. I, I, I don't work out with a lot of the people that are around me because they all run too fast for me. Like, like I don't like going on easy runs with Kent because he runs faster than I do on my easy runs. Mm-hmm. And I'm like working and I'm like, dude, I'm not, I wasn't here for that. BJ, we were made to train together. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, I like, that's why I reached out to you about shoes the other day because I was like, you run more similarly to me than I think anyone else kind of does stride-wise. Uh, so I wanted to hear what you, your opinion was. But yes, dude, I would love uh, – I'll, I'll do a little stint. If you got a guest room, I'll come up. We'll do a week. We'll train. I don't know if you have a guest room or not, and I'm just kind of inviting myself along. But yeah, we'll, we'll do We'll it. have a room for you. I'm thinking about coming out there, so we'll, we'll do that. Anyway. Continue. Yes. I like I like hearing when people say things like I can't work out with the people around me because they're too fast because that generally means I'm running appropriately. I try. Um, yeah, every time I'd run with like Mark Godet, I'd link up with him. He was like, "All right, time to have my slowest run of the month," mm-hmm. and I'm like, mm-hmm. "I'm your guy." So yeah, I'm really easy on my easy runs. I jog, do my thing. Um, but a lot of times when it comes to race day, I am faster and. Yeah, like I said, I, I want to be the fastest runner in the field, but I want to be the fastest runner on course. I don't want to be the fastest 5K in the field. I mean, that's a nice thing to have. Be like, yeah, what's up? Like, you're slow. I'm fast. But ultimately, I want to have the fastest 8K split when I'm there. That's what Got I it. mean. I was I'm, I was looking at the, I get that makes sense. I was looking at it a little bit differently, but that I track that 100%. Not that I went track wanting to be the true fastest 5K in the field either. That'd be awesome. That's all I would care about right now. I'd be like, yeah, I lost by 10 minutes, but my 5K is faster than yours. <laughs> you got to hold on to something. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Yeah, so, so uh, that's that's what I'm talking about. I just I hmm. want to maximize my running in that. And right now that means I need to focus a lot on the stations so that I can get those efforts down to where it maintains the same effort through the whole thing. That's what I've gotten really good at in the past few years is maintaining an effort 
throughout a race um, to where everyone's like, oh, VJ's a closer now. It's like, no, I just sit and I do the same thing the whole time. And then everyone dies out in the second half. And, uh, you know, here I am by myself. Um, I, I don't like lay back and then push harder in the end or anything. I just manage my effort to where I'm doing like the same thing. So that's what I want to do in high rocks. I want to get to the point where like, and ultimately deca fit too. Like, um, I tried to experiment with some stuff this past weekend, like to spike myself in certain places and try to come back. And that's just, that's not really a thing for me. I need to get to the point where I can maintain. So yeah, that's what I, that's what I meant. I've said this before, but one year in Philly, I went out and ran a stadium race I think just Megiddo and Jung Young Pack showed up. And so it wasn't a super fast, deep field. And I decided to just run the fir- out of the first obstacle, take off and run the next five minutes as hard as I could and just gap the field. And then be done with it. Build up a burpee lead and be done. And the last like five or six minutes of the race were so miserable, but I was out of sight and no one knew it. Well, I went home, mm-hmm. I went to the hotel, got some Chinese food, started watching a movie, fell asleep, woke up and realized the last wave of the day goes off in 20 minutes. I think I'm going to go get a workout in. And what your race this past weekend, you know, reminded me of this memory. And so I just threw on my kit again, jogged over to the start line, waited for the last wave to go off, timed five minutes, and then just tempoed the course and ran like 35 seconds faster than the morning. Because in the second half, I was still running comfortably hard rather than power hiking stairs or taking an extra rep breath in between reps on box jumps or med ball slams or something like the the last field session of med ball slams box jumps rope climb things like that was like 50 percent more pleasant and then i stopped my watch i was like what in the world just happened and the whole time i always thought you have to surge where appropriate and break the race open and you can but it was enlightening that day to find out you can kind of tempo this whole thing and be a net positive at the end. Exactly. Like that's that's how I've raced in OCR the last few years. Like that's why when someone like breaks off at the front, you know, I'll hang behind them or I'm staying comfortable. But when people break off, like I'm not like worried about staying with them and then kicking or anything like that. Like I just maintain whatever the race is going to be. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to be in it. And then that's just like is what it is. Um, and when I did like Anaheim earlier this year, I didn't take off quick. I didn't have like incredibly flat, fast splits on the first half. I just kind of sat in it and ended up running a decent time. Um, I felt confident that I was going to do more this past weekend. And I still feel like I had a lot more to give than what happened, Mm -hmm. but I also got caught up in the race a little bit. Um, you know, pushed a little harder in some zones and then also, you know, the footwear thing, whatever, you know, we'll be better later. Um, but I also experienced that in Mexico for the Pan American Championships. I went down there and I was obviously the fittest. Like, there's no reason I shouldn't win this race. It's mine. And I got scared in the final. I got spooked. They took off so fast to where they were going to put like a good 10 to 15 seconds on me. Like probably closer to 15 seconds on me in the first half of that race and i was like i'm normally comfortable letting people go but they're getting a little too far so then i put in a surge in that first lap that at altitude definitely like cost me and i ran so slow for the second like two laps of that race but they also had like cracked themselves immediately in that race um but 
I think I ran a terrible race. And every time I've gone out with someone and surged hard at some point, it never pays off. That's just not my style. My style is, is the effort, my effort. And I'll run really well that way. And it, it almost always works out. But, you know, with the comeback, I'm, a, I'm not quite, I don't trust my fitness entirely yet. So I'm still like... Mm-hmm. Uh, a little, I got spooked and I usually don't get spooked. Like I'll let people go. Like you look, look at races in the past, like big bear and stuff. They, they were way ahead of me. I just trusted in it, let it happen. And, uh, I, I want to get back to that place. Um, so, so yeah, if I would have just hung back a little bit this in Orlando, I probably would have been able to run a little better. Um, pro- I probably still wouldn't have won or maybe I would have got close, but it wouldn't have been like a PR or anything. Um, so yeah, I just got a little flustered. I got spooked. So I gotta, I gotta start trusting in the fitness again. Hybrid racing is essentially a time trial, and the sooner people realize that, the better. Yeah, dude. When I went and ran by myself, I did the same. I did yeah. the same thing basically. Like I had a faster split on my bike, way faster on the sled, just because I wasn't slipping. I cut like what 15, 18 seconds off my sled. So yeah, there's a lot of time to be gained out there. Um, just by managing the effort. So, so yeah, that's it. What do you, uh, what do you give people a heads up? So there's, there's a lot of people and myself included, um, considering maybe entertaining, possibly, potentially there's a chance I might dip in. Mm. And the curiosity I have is now I do regular leg work. I have for years, but not at the level I would, if I committed to, uh, high rocks that would need to look different. And I think people fear, like, you know, your legs pay tribute to sacrifice in the beginning of that transition where it's like, ugh, my running feels terrible right now because of all the lower body demand that is involved with proper, let's call base building for you for high rocks. Mm-hmm. Walk me through that experience. It sounds like you were doing leg work too with your Bulgarians and your Zurchers and all that somewhat, but like... Talk me through that. How was that transition for you? The introduction of big stimulus in the lower body coupled with your running. So I wasn't doing any like heavy lifts in the OCR realm. Um, I felt like I was pretty strong for my size, but I I wasn't like actually moving any weight. Um, So this year, like my squat is really good. My deadlift is not so great. Like there's a lot of people that can deadlift a lot more than me, but I can out squat them for some reason. Um, so we just started off with like pretty general strength building, um, like mostly focusing around squat and deadlift and then, um, kind of general lifts around like getting some shoulder strength, uh, for some overhead for like lunges and that sort of thing and and whatever. Um, yeah. And just kind of progressed that until, uh, like max strength was going up really well. The one thing that um, has been kind of a battle was the muscular endurance side um, in regards to like lunges or wall balls, just because well, wall balls, not so much, mostly like lunges, like lunges have been kind of an adjustment for me. And um, sa- same with like the sled, the sled push, it's like, it is a maximal output thing, but also you need to manage power output for a certain amount of time. And as a runner, like, I don't do that. Like if I spend a lot of years on the bike, maybe, you know, but, um, like, uh, like running, you're not putting out a lot of power. 
So getting to like put out power and rest and then put out some more power and then cumulatively end up putting out power for a few couple minutes there and then move on to your next thing. Um, that's, that's been kind of a tough thing. Um, so the strength building was really enjoyable and like you get into your bro mentality and you like, you hit your heavy lift and you smash your weights down. And you're like, yeah, just like squatted however much 275 for the first time. Hell yeah. Um, so that's like enjoyable and I didn't really feel like it affected my running at all. Cause I made huge strides in my squat right away just cause I wasn't squatting like that. Um, and like my nervous system kind of got used to what that takes and, you know, actually recruiting all the, that musculature and getting comfortable with having heavy weight on your shoulders. Like the first time I put like 225 on my shoulders, I was like, dude, this is not okay. Like I'm not going to feel comfortable. And now like 225, like that's what you start to warm up with. Like you're okay. You're fine. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, the maximal strength thing was very easy for me to build and I adapted to it very quickly. And I feel like if I focused on that, like we haven't really tried to get a lot stronger than I am. We're just trying to elongate that strength. Um, if I focus on max strength some more, I'd probably get like even stronger and, and be able to lift a lot more. Um, which probably really isn't necessary, but now getting into the muscular endurance side, that's the side that is a little more of a challenge. Um, but it's something that I'm really looking forward to. Like I'm really getting excited to just like start doing reps of like lunges and wall balls and lunges and wall balls and that sort of thing. Um, cause I actually really like wall balls. Uh, yeah. a lot of people like fear them. Um, I, I mean, it does suck, but as I'm getting more comfortable with it, I actually enjoy, like, I really get excited whenever the wall balls are in a workout for me. Like I look forward to those. Um, so, and I think that's a healthy relationship to have with those. It's probably going to be a helpful thing. Um, then again, I haven't done a full high rocks and then had to do them at the end a hundred. So we'll see. And I'm, I'm going to have like a different approach for a lot of these stations than the typical guys, you know, like Kent comes in and he's like, I got to knock out 65 lunges or uh, 65 wall balls. If I get through 65, then in a row then I know I'm good. Like I'm going to come out and probably just go like 30, 30, 20, 20 mm -hmm. because like I can always do 20. doesn't matter how bad you feel. You can always do 20 wall balls. So my, my goal is like do 30, take your like four or five second rest just to like break your brain and then go back into it again. And I've done that in workouts. Um, so I feel confident in that happening. Like I'm not going to be, that, that would be the same as me going out hot in a race. You know, I need to manage the effort. I can't, can't just do 70 wall balls in a row and then expect myself to like close out. Well, I'll be doing sets of five, but that makes sense. Yeah, that was a weird, that was a strange tangent to that answer. But, um, yeah, so the, the, this maximal strength building was really easy. The muscular endurance side is kind of what we're going into now. And I find that I'm actually like, that's a harder thing to work on and a harder thing to balance. Um, I, yeah. And as in regards to that's putting I on strength with running, I actually haven't put on a lot of weight. I've only put on a few pounds. Um, and it kind of comes and goes too, like some days of the week, it, it just kind of gets lower. And then other times, like sometimes I'm getting closer down to the OCR weight and I'm like, Whoa, that's weird. And then, you know, five days later, I'll check myself on the scale again. And we're, we're back up to like the low mid one eighties. So it just kind of, kind of floats around. That's what I find too, by the way, people will see heavy sets of three, heavy sets of five parallel stance squatting, deadlifting. They see it on their plan and they're like, Oh my God, that's going to ruin me. And I was like, you know, what's going to ruin you is like 10 sets of 10 
and when we split the pelvis and make you do lunges. Like, you want to be ruined? Like, that is actually the hard transition. I think going heavy, low reps, power building is easier to combine with your running than what you're talking about. That transition to high volume, high reps, split pelvis movements. Like, then we start having a few-day leg period before our legs are ready to, like, function properly for quality again. At least that's been my take. So I've, I've felt that, and I, I feel like I hear that sentiment a good bit. Respect. I think, I think that uphill running is harder to pace than flat running because it's harder to actually feel the difference between a few seconds of effort. And so I'm a big advocate of interval-style racing uphill for people who aren't really, really dialed mm. into their climbing. Five steps this way, five steps this way. It gets you closer to your actual threshold than I'm going to th- think I'm going to hit what I think is threshold and then I blow up on the climb or whatever it is. I don't know how either of you two feel about that, but I think it's harder for people to find their actual work rate uphill because there's smaller differences between gear one and gear two, gear three and gear four. I feel the same way about lunges, sleds, that kind of work. Are you finding that as well? Because I feel like you were always a tactical climber where you didn't tip over early in races. Mm -hmm. Some people can just blast up the first couple of climbs. You didn't do that. Are you going to be breaking your sets up differently on those muscular endurance style things than other people typically do for high rocks? Um, Hard to, hard to say because I haven't been in it yet. You know, like I've done workouts where I simulate certain aspects of the race, but I haven't put the whole race together in one. So you haven't like, simulated. I have not. Are you going so to? So I don't, probably. Um, I think I, I have the option. I'll have to set up an actual run course because at, at the gym I've been working out at, they have one of those curved treadmills mm-hmm. and uh, it totally sucks. And <laughs> yesterday You're I was cruising. Fan? Dude, it's like your running mechanics change the pace. Yeah. So I ran like myself, and I was like, you know, Rich spends a lot of time on these. Let me run like Rich for a second. I took these short, choppy, high knee steps, and suddenly I was running like 410 pace at the same effort. <laughs> like it literally dropped, and I was running like 16 miles an hour or something. I was like, whoa, like what is happening? And I just kind of hopped up and down right there, and I was like, dude, I'm moving really quickly. Uh, I think it's partially that the treadmill needs to be serviced, but also like um, I just don't like the way that moves, and it's not cool. But yeah, I'll I'll probably set up some kind of a sim um, at some point. I'm starting. I'm trying to overload the weights on the sleds a little bit. Um, I'm a little light on my sled push. I'm doing eight plates on the sled right now, mm-hmm. um, and then I leave that on there for the sled pull too. So the pull is like pretty tough right now. Um, compared to what I felt from like other Sims and things like that. Um, I think I'm going to be a really good sled puller, honestly. Like I did, I did a workout with Kent and Rich in Dubai where they set up like a high rocks workout and they said like, oh, this pull feels really similar to what like it feels like in the race. And I was like going extra hard on the stations before we went to the pull because I would just take a break on it and just keep pulling. Um, mm. So, I, I mean, I'm hoping that's true. Probably not. You know, I'm probably going to get there and it's going to feel awful. So I'm ready for that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what my plan is going to be as far as breaking up certain sets. I want, I really am inspired by the women of high rocks and the way they they're like muscular endurances. <laughs> they don't on have those sets. stations. <laughs> they just go right. Yeah. Um, and I figured the sled, like, you know, I'm going to feel good enough to push it all the way across, but I'm going to stop halfway just because that seems like what I should do. I don't necessarily know if that even helps, 
Like if I take a five second break and then I push it again, did that actually help me? Do I feel better because I did that? I don't know. Or if I'll just like, maybe just do like longer strides, but slower and just kind of like work it across. I got to play with it and mm-hmm. see what it actually feels like in the race. Like when I go to Dallas, I might go out and run it like another one or two times, um, just to feel what those things are like and then play with some strategy. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll see what happens there. Like I want to get to the point where I'm just like bouncing through lunges really well. Um, I actually am considering like bringing knee sleeves just so my knees feel safe. Cause I got the sense yeah. that I got those sensitive Kent knees <laughs> when I touch them on stuff, I get all nervous about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the padding's like at high rocks. I'm hoping it's nice and cushiony. It is pavement or concrete with industrial carpet with no cushioning on top of it. Why don't they add like two layers of the industrial carpet on there? This seemed like it would be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why more people don't run with with knee pads or knee sleeves just sitting at their ankles and just pull them up. Yeah, I, I actually did a workout like that the other day because I was doing it in the gym, and it's just those rubber mats, and those mm-hmm. are just as hard as concrete. Like, they don't feel any better. Um, and then I would just pull them up for the lunges, do you lunges. forget about them after a while. Yeah, and then I just pulled them back down when I was going on my runs. So I might actually do that. We'll see. People will probably, like, I'll probably get roasted in the comments, and people will be like, look at this idiot he's wearing knee sleeves and i was gonna sure. come out and just like just bounce through those lunges um i get made fun of for wearing gloves for every single thing i ever do well i don't see anyone you know making fun of hunter for wearing gloves at the world championships yeah he won <laughs> i wore well, you gloves won, and you was won. doing sets of one on the wall ball by the end so sets of one yeah. i'm hoping you're exaggerating that's that's pretty tough no i think my last eight or nine were singles maybe 12 <laughs> tough tough Maybe that um, was my worst race pain experience. It was my first high rocks. Was the wall balls? They're that bad? No, I was just cracked, cracked. Like l- blurry vision, bending down <laughs> after each rep, trying not to pass out. That's pretty fantastic. What were you, like in hour 16 or something? By that Oof. point, yeah. I thought yeah, I, I, I went out on pace to run 57. I thought I was going to break the world record at the time. Get that money. <laughs> I'd done a sim. It was easy. Turned out my sim was inaccurate. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't good at this. <laughs> you and everyone else, man. Yeah, everyone has to feel mm. it. DJ, I just felt it real I hard. believe... Sorry, you guys are freezing, so I'm talking over you. I uh, I got one last thing for you. I know you just got a few minutes, and then you got to go make that money. Um, what are the top three things VJ has learned about himself and fitness transitioning to this hybrid training? Like, what are some of the lessons you've learned up to this point? Anything that we haven't talked about, or if you want to reiterate anything like what are a few things you've found out um well i've realized i'm stronger than i thought physically uh which was kind of a cool thing i i expected to actually have to put on mass in order to be competitive in this and ultimately that'll probably be true to where i have uh, i'll probably you know idle in the mid 180s instead of you know, an OCR was idling in the mid 170s. Now I'm kind of floating in between around 180. So not as much of a, a body change as I thought, but developing work capacities in different realms, like what didn't go the way I expected to. Like I expected the body would have to physically change. And instead, I'm just, my body's getting used to this different kind of work. And I'm finding efficiency in movements um, that I didn't have before and that my night not necessarily get stronger, but I just become more efficient. Um, same with like my running, 
had in the past for OCR. Like I became very efficient in moving through terrain, um, running on the flats, like things just kind of got better as I practiced them more. And it wasn't necessarily like a huge change in fitness. It was a change in, uh, the, my body just knowing what to do with it. So that was really cool. Um, and I feel really good about that. Uh, I think that's partially just like, I'm a very coordinated person as well. So I can, I can figure out how to move well with things and I don't tend to make a ton of mistakes. I mean, they happen for sure, but, um, I feel really good about that. Uh, yeah. So I feel about that. Three things. Was that one? Two. two one? If, that was two. That was kind that of was two. two. Okay. So I was stronger than I thought. And I you're, you're, what I'm understanding change. is you got more, you got more raw strength than you thought and the body didn't have to necessarily get bigger to do it. And then two, your engine has translated is what I'm hearing. It just needed some yeah. time to get used to it. Yeah. yeah. So that's really cool. Um, and I'm feeling, I'm feeling that my top end running might be more important in this sport than it was in OCR hmm. because in OCR, I was running at my top running form. I was running just as fast in an obstacle race, if not faster than if I was just running it without obstacles mm. because I had scheduled rest. I was running intervals and then I'd go hang out on the monkey bars for 10 seconds for free, but you know, whatever, mm. come off. Oh, I just recovered a few beats. Let's get back to work. Um, in this, I'm actually getting reduced um, to a lower running capacity. So I'm going to need to raise my ceiling. Um, higher than it's been before if I'm going to access anything that I was touching in the last few years. So uh, as far as that mission of being the best runner in the field, that's something that I think I actually need because I will, you know, get more efficient on the machines, but I'm never going to ski like Hunter. It's just not going to happen. Um, and I know that there's certain things that other, like most everyone in the field has the same body type besides like you know, Dylan Scott. Otherwise everyone else is pretty beefy. And, um, you know, I, uh, I'm going to lose out on a couple things there. So me raising my running ceiling so that I can actually access good running is going to kind of offset a lot of those things. And that's something I need. Um, so I, I'm really excited to put in a big running block after kind of going through this machine block of sorts. So next year I plan on, I plan on being the best runner that I've ever, like that I've been in my career. I want to lay out some good times. I want to be fast and efficient and stronger at the same time. Um, so it's going to ask for a lot uh, from me, but I'm looking forward to it. It's actually inspiring. It's kind of nice to have something that I don't feel like I've mastered at all, that it is still is going to take a lot of work to figure out. Because with, with OCR, like I wasn't obsessed anymore with like, uh, mastering the competition itself. Like I had mastered the race. I know what it takes. I can get through it. It's literally just about like smashing everyone else that's competing. And those people that were motivators for me, they're not a part of the game anymore. And I kind of lost that last bit of motivation. I had to chase OCR with, with high rocks. Now there's tons of competition and good athletes that I want to test myself against, but also the race itself provides the challenge for me to take on, which I have not had in a long time. So I'm really excited for that. And, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that wasn't really a, a, a cohesive answer. It was a, a lot of weird stuff going on at the same time, but I, I need better running than I've ever had to be competitive in this sport. That's what I've, figured out. I thought it was, I need to make up all these stations and do all that. 
on, I do need that. But on top of that, I didn't think that my running was actually going to end up being a detriment at its level that it was already at. It's good answers. I like those answers. Thanks, man. That's Appreciate what I was looking it. for. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, you got to get to the golf course. I do. Um, I have a tournament this weekend, so I got a little work to do before work. Uh, work on myself. Make sure that we're we're striking the ball well. You're playing and tournaments go now. Yeah, smaller stuff. I got to make sure that I can handle the pressure. I don't want to get, uh, you know, get to a bigger tournament and just suck. So we're planning on next season being like the first competitive golf season for VJ. We're gonna go the out. We got the Pikes Peak Amateur is the doing all that. I love it. Mm-hmm. No matter what sport it is. Yes, sir. I like that. Well, I enjoyed this chat, guys. Room to wear, I appreciate. Like, yeah. hmm? What? What was that? Sorry, I was just going to ask. Just sorry, quick side thought: Is there any room for like a VJ Spark on the golf course as the shoe of choice, or does that not translate to the golf course? VJs are actually fantastic golf shoes. They don't match the outfit, but they do work really well. Um, I've I won the Max that. a number of times out there on the golf course. Um, if I huh. was going to go rip a fast like speed golf session, which I'm actually going to try probably in the coming months um, as the I golf course gets a little I more won. empty. Mm. Yes, sir. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put on some probably like extreme threes and just go, <laughs> go rip a fast one. I got to be careful on the greens though. I don't want to mess them up too much. Some little more low profile would be good. Yes, Those sir. lugs. All right. That was just a side question. I could see the crossover with that sponsorship going, you know, to both sports. So, you know, well, I'm I'm not a VJ athlete anymore, right. but it would be it would be cool, for sure. I, I'm running a lot of concrete okay. these My days, bad. and 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 VJ doesn't really do a lot of concrete racing in their in their shoes. So um, I'm gonna pick up a pair of of Asics uh, Meta Speed Sky Plus soon. We're gonna see uh, how that feels, and then uh, you know, Bracket and I we're gonna team up and pitch our sponsorship together as a unit. Um, and we'll see if we can land a contract from them. An interview together for this one, like stepbrothers. Absolutely. Red Converse <laughs> and a suit. That's right. We'll have fun out there today. Good luck in the tournament this weekend. Appreciate it, guys. Um, Kirk, come out to Dallas. All right? You and me. Everyone's going to be tired November, from Chicago. Right? Yep, it's in November. Everyone's going to be tired from Chicago the week before. And we're just going to come out there and win it because everyone's going to be like, oh, you know, Chicago is so hard. I'm going to stay home. And it's just going to be us, man. It's going to be us out there. I really like where your head's at. It, so my high rocks training would commence in probably December. I'd have a late start on it. So that would be a sacrificial trip for me. But nonetheless, I'm waiting. I'm going to be in the woods the next two months. Go to age I'm, not, group. I'm dragging deer out. That counts. I could do age group. All right. Let's end this thing. See ya. Let's end this thing. Peace. Thank you, VJ. Mm-hmm.